Good afternoon and um, welcome to another deep dive into the Bible uh, from New Beginnings Uniting Church. Today I've got Kerry and myself Simon and doing tech today is Caleb. Uh, so he's waving from behind here that you can't see. So yes, there he is. So it's wonderful that you can join us for our exploration and, and having a deeper look into the Bible on the reading that we have a look at um, each Sunday. So we do our message on a Sunday. And then the Wednesday afterwards, we have a deeper dive into it and maybe explore a few um, items, have a bit more of a conversation around uh, what's come out during the week for us, but also maybe some areas that we may not have covered in our message on the weekend. Um, and so just to kick it off, I think, Kerry, you wanted to read today. I'll read. It's Mark 12, 35 to 44. So later... As Jesus was teaching the people in the temple, he asked, Why do the teachers of religious law claim that the Messiah is the son of David? For David himself, speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honour at my right hand until I humble your enemies beneath your feet. Since David himself called the Messiah my Lord, how can the Messiah be his son? The large crowd listened to him with great delight. Jesus also taught, Beware of the teachers of religious law, for they like to parade around in flowing robes and receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces, and how they love the seats of honour in the synagogues and the head of tables at banquets. Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be the pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be more severely punished. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Mm. Mm, so, you know, as, as, I, as I alluded to, this is the last part of Jesus' public teaching that's recorded in Mark's Gospel. So... It's, it's really interesting. It's in the temple. Um, so he's um, done his ministry around Galilee and worked all the way, coming all the way up into Jerusalem. And, and so he's been questioned and quizzed and, 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 and asked why, where does he have authority to do all these things he's doing? Where does he have authority to teach from? You know, it, it's almost like what scribe, what religious leader did you sit under in order to learn this, what authority do you have to be telling us who we can trace our lineage of uh, great uh, scholars and religious leaders and I sat under such and such and they sat under such and such and I can tell you all about these things. I've learnt for such a young age. Who are you? Um, you, you don't even, you're not even from Jerusalem. You know, you're not even part of this. You're from out in Nazareth. That's where you grew up and you were teaching around Galilee, but who are you to do this? So there's all these big questions. And we come to this point, so there's been all this questioning of Jesus um, after he uh, 
turns up the tables and uh, triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And there's all this question about his authority to do all of this. And then he has this statement. And I know, you know, on, on Sunday, and we were just having a chat before we went live, uh, whether, you know, why did we have this uh, little segment that Jesus mentions about um, whose son is the Messiah? You know, that's the heading within the, the Bible. But, you know, the Lord, the Lord is my Lord and sitting at the right hand, you know, and, and if David says... Lord and he's the Messiah, how can he, the Messiah be his son? You know, there's all this convoluted logic kind of going along in there. So why was it in there, you know? Do you want to just kick off some of that, Kerry? Yeah, I think, um, I think for the Jewish people of the day, that was a really important um, passage of Scripture from the Psalms because it was where they were looking for where the Messiah might come from and they expected him to come from the line of David, which of course Jesus did. Um, but the way that David says it, it shows that he is the Lord of David and so he is the son of God. He's not just the son of a man. And that was the thing that really um, confused them. And so he he is actually showing that he knows the scriptures and he knows, um, you know, the whole of the Old Testament and the purpose and the understanding and the uh, all of the intricacies of it much more than any of these scholars of the day. Yeah, and, and I think the, the thing that, so, you know, strikes me as you're talking about that is that here you've got the king, so authority, you know, head of the country, the and yeah, yeah. he's then so giving homage basically yeah. to a son of him, the, the Messiah, so through the lineage. So normally the king would not call one of the children or family yeah. members and stuff Lord. That's right. So you can see there's a humbling part of King David in that part, mm. but it's also King David recognising that the Messiah is overall. Mm. Um, and and King David was like the ultimate king. He was the king that for, for all, you know, time who they really looked up to as the one who established the nation and so he was very much revered, yeah, yeah. yeah so and I think it's, you know, and with all of these questions, this is why I mentioned that there was a whole lot of questioning going on um, and then I think this one was almost Jesus going uh, with the religious scholars at the time, chew on this for a little while. <laughs> and almost like, you know, he, here's something for you to think about. You want to know who the Messiah is. Um, you want to know the, the lineage and it's from the line of David and, uh, and but you can't even reconcile this for yourselves. So how are you going to do this? Yeah. You know, so it's like this big, you know, he's been given all these questions beforehand and they're trying to trick him up and then he comes back with a piece of scripture and then says, well, how can um, you reconcile that King David says that the Messiah will be Lord so above yes. him? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, it's lovely in that way. And they, they couldn't answer him and the, and the crowds realised what had happened and they were just in awe of Jesus, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> and, and that's, you know, that's, that's really... Um, that's important for us because the crowds recognised the the wisdom, and, and I love I love the I love the passage here. So you know, and, and the crowds listened to him with 
great delight. <laughs> it's like, it's not that, I, and I don't think it's because, um, well, that it'd be a very Australian thing too, too, that, that, that somebody's just telling them, you know, putting them, you know, the, the, the high falutin you know, religious elite kind of thing, putting them in their place. I don't necessarily think it's because of that, but I, I think part of it is, yes, here's all these people telling us what, how to live and what to do and suddenly this teacher puts them in their place, you know, to, and, and they just loved it. Um, because, but I think it's actually because, not because of that, you know, that's a very Australian thing. We, we, we like to cut down the tall poppies. We like to put people in their places. Unfortunately, we do. Un- unfortunately, yeah. we do, which is a, not a really good trait for us. We do it to all our uh, political leaders. We do it to our religious leaders. Anybody that's out leading, we want to find fault with them, uh, unfortunately. If we look at the, the media nowadays, that's exactly what they're doing, you know. that We just want to keep on chasing a good new, a, a story and a story and a story whether it's uncovered anything, you know, and we just look at this and they're just putting people on in order to try and pull down. Uh, and that's not a great way to to actually be as a nation and it's not a great way to live a life. And, and so, why, I, you know, what, I don't want to come from our Australian perspective of doing that. I actually think that they saw that Jesus was talking about life-giving things, uh, about life-changing things, and because of the life-changing, he challenge those who took life away and 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 actually restricted the access to the temple, restricted the access to God and said you've got to follow these patterns of behaviour and if you're not getting these patterns of behaviour, you're not doing these things, then you, you haven't got it close to God. And he's going, no, there's, that's not what the case is. Um, yeah, that, it's like they're catching a taste of the spirit, that the spirit of, of the scripture that Jesus taps into and shares is like they're getting a taste of that. Yeah. yeah. And t- talking about the spirit, uh, you know, notice when King, when he's talk- Jesus is talking about King David, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. under the influence of the Holy Spirit, yeah. uh, which actually I think is really interesting because the Holy Spirit came upon David and actually gave him that insight. Mm. Mm. Um, because often when we're in positions of power, positions of privilege, we don't have the insight to see those kind mm. of things. Mm. And I think that's what the Holy Spirit gave him when he was doing that and that's where that insight that he could call the Messiah Lord came from. Mm. So, wonderful. Yeah, beautiful, thing. yeah. So, so, so on Sunday I, I picked the theme um, in order to run through the message which was about motives. Um. And it's been interesting because it's one of those topics when we when we start to talk about it that it's it's really interesting because what I've had a number of people after uh, the message on Sunday and through the week uh, say it's been really challenging because the question about what are our motives and why do we do things is such a such an important one and such a one that it really challenges us as individuals to think about why do we do stuff? Uh, why do we, you know, do certain things? Um, and, and in this case, you know, and, I, and I'm picked on four areas, but there are so many other areas you can. But out of, out of the passage that we had, there are four areas that um, Jesus told the crowd to be wary of. Um, things like their appearance. And, and just having, you know, parading around, um, dressing up uh, and being seen parading around. Um, and, and 
their spirituality as not actually having a deep spirituality but just wanting to do it for show. Um, and their, their heart of greed and you know, they're, they're, all these things are really important areas for us to keep on thinking about. But there are so many areas for us to think about where our motives are, what, what lies behind what we do, what lies behind where we want to go um, and the actions that we have. Um, and, I, and I wanted to actually say that when I'm talking out on front here, like, like on, on, the, on a Sunday when I was actually doing the message just here, um, up on the, the, the stage here, it's not because I've got it all together that I give a message. It's because I don't have it together and I'm seeking to have it all together that I give a message. And, and this is often what I'm saying, especially when it's a challenging thing. It's as much speaking to myself out with everybody else as it is speaking to other people. I don't want to be seen as a person that, that um, basically is telling people how to live and not doing it myself. That's hypocrisy 101 when you think about it, isn't it? Um, but it's really important for us to just really keep in mind that it's not because I've got it together that we say these things. It's because God's placed it on my heart to mention these things because it's important for me to live them out and I, and I really love everybody else to be able to live those out as well. Yeah, I know when I'm preparing a talk and, you know, you, you, you start with a passage and then you look at it and you think, yeah, I know this passage, I've read this a number of times, and then you start to look at it and then you just sit before God and I realise, well, God is actually working on me. He's doing something in me as I prepare this this talk and it's something that I need to know and so I'm speaking out of my own experience that this is something that God is actually doing within me and I'm just really sharing what's happening. Um, and I think the, the thing about motives is that I think we can easily fool ourselves. We can exactly. think our yeah. motives are really good and we can be prideful that we're not full of pride and... Um, and we can, so we need the spirit. We need that spirit like, like David had to convict us and to show us where we are doing things that might be very good but we're doing them because we want to look good or we're trying to earn our way to heaven or we're trying to show how much we know or all these other little things that can trip us up. And the purity of just doing it for the love of God, for the glory of God mm. is where you really want to get to. Yeah. But... You know, so many other little... <laughs> it's the things that just creep along and... Just creep along there. They just creep in there. Yeah. And um, and I think it's, you know, we, we can't do it without God. And, we, oh, yeah, messed up again, Lord. Sorry about that. <laughs> I, Can you straighten out that motive for me? <laughs> I, I think it's... Actually, I, I, I want to be honest here. Um, of all my years of been preaching... Um, this series that we've been doing on Mark has actually made, I've actually learnt more and made more connections than I have in all of the years previously. I think because um, we've been very intentional in sitting in the actual passage uh, and letting it really speak to us and, and going from one passage to the next passage and, and allowing that progress to speak to us and actually 
not trying to be clever into thinking about what can I shoehorn into these things, but what is this? What is Mark's gospel telling us about Jesus? And, and really, just asking that question: Who is Jesus? What are the words that he's saying? What are the things he's been doing? And what 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 is the ultimate thing he's doing for us? And and this has been speaking to me so much as we've been doing this, and I've, I've valued everybody's contribution. I actually look forward to hearing all the other people preach because it, as much as I get so much in just preparing it, but I get so much when I listen to other people um, bring a message and it's such a privilege for us to be able to do that. Um, and it kind of brings me to just the, this little point. One, uh, uh, chatting with a, with a couple of people um, during the week and um, Annette actually said to me, she was feeling a little bit uncomfortable because I mentioned that I don't wear robes. Um, and the Uniting Church is very, uh, if you go to most Uniting Church, they'll be kind of very roby and stoles and scarves and all of these things. She goes, what? She goes I hope you haven't burnt any bridges <laughs> um, in saying that. And, and I want to actually be quite um, open and honest in, in, in the fact that I used to wear robes and I thought that was an important aspect of ministry and um, I, I took on board what all of my lecturers were saying about it takes you away from the clothes that you're wearing, it gives you into that kind of priestly uh, space that you're a part of and, and all of that is fine. And I want to actually say that to all my um, brothers and sisters in ministry out there, if robing is your thing, then that's okay. But don't let it be the reason you do something because you want to have that appearance. Um, and for the same fact, all my brothers and sisters in ministry that uh, like just wear normal clothes um, uh, when they're preaching, we need to be careful that it's not all about the designer clothes that we've got. And it's not about, you know, there are some churches that have a budget for the pastor. Oh. They have a clothing budget oh, okay. because they need, the, they need the pastor to look good on stage and not necessarily being wearing the same thing week in, week out. Oh, like me. <laughs> or like me. So it's like, it's, uh, you know, go, oh, you go. It'll, it'll, occasionally I'll look through my wardrobe and go, oh, yeah, that shirt's about five years old. Maybe I should just retire that one and get a new one. So it's like, but it, it, it's actually really funny because when we started doing our live uh, stream on for worship, it actually became a real big thing for me to go, did I wear that last week? Or, or did I wear it two weeks ago? And, and actually it was a process going through my head, am I wearing the same stuff each week? And that may not be a good look and just keeping that there. But then you're going, actually, that's a question. Am I being prideful about that in that process? Um, so, and, and it's not, I mean, in this example, these guys were strutting about and using their robes to show their power and authority and how great they were. And that was that instance. But I'm sure there are people who wear the robes humbly and yep. with humility. Yep. And it's a sign of, you know, their uh, commitment to God. It's a sign of servitude. So, it's it, again, it's the motive behind what we're doing. It's not what we're actually wearing. Yep. It's what are we, where are we drawing our, our you know, sustenance from? Are we drawing it from the way I look? Are we drawing it from the things I do? Or am I drawing it from God? Because only from God is going to satisfy. And, and, that, yeah. and, and that's the thing, you know, and, and I, I know um, 
colleagues and friends of mine, they say they put on the robe and they they actually consciously let go of themselves yeah, and right. let God. It's part of a process. It's part of their process yeah. of doing. Yeah. And that's a, that's a lovely thing, mm. you know. Um, for me, that just didn't work. No. Um, and, and it's after years um, yeah. that it's actually, for me, the important part is to be one of the people, is not to be separate or removed but one of the people. And I think if you think, and, and part of this, you know, as I said, you know, through our journey through Mark, it's been speaking a lot more to me uh, this time. And, and I love how when you read the Bible and you read it again and again, it keeps on speaking to you again and again in different ways and there are different connections being made each time. Um, and I, I'm loving how what it's doing is it's speaking to me and it's doing change in my life. And I'm a lot more comfortable with where I am because I'm a lot more comfortable in my relationship with God. Um, and I'm not needing to have validation from other places, um, which means that I can step out and do other things because I'm not seeking validation from other places because I've got validation from God. Because God, Beautiful. God loves each and every one of us for who we are. Yeah. Um, and that, that's so important for us to, to recognise, but so often we don't actually value that no. in ourselves. No, we might, we know it, but we don't really live it. We don't really believe it. There's a part of us that thinks I'm not good enough, you know, I mess up too many times, um, you know, and, and so we can't really accept just the, the beauty and the freedom and the grace of God, yeah. which is so undeserved. And we've still got this thing in us that somehow we have to be good enough or right enough yep. to accept God's love. And that, that couldn't be the furthest thing from the truth, you know. Uh, and, and, and it actually ta- it, it takes us a lot. It actually takes a lot to actually understand that. Yeah. Um, because having years and years of thinking that you're not good enough, yeah. it's really hard to throw that away. It is. Yeah. Um, and if you if you've ever been in a family that has reinforced that, mm. and somebody then says you, it's a mistrustful thing because you go, oh, well, everybody's told me that I'm not good enough, mm. or you've gone through school and that's been reinforced, mm. or your friend groups don't value you for mm. your person or just for other things. There's so many things in our life that that stop us from having that. Yeah, yep. And we keep on going back. It, it, it's actually. You know, and I know we've said this before. Um, it's not that we value the negative side of things. It's just the negative side of things has a much greater impact upon us. Um, and, and and I think the research says, what is it? It's it's five, yeah. five to eight positive comments you need in order to outweigh one negative. Yeah. And yeah. and so if you're having self-talk, yes, that is negative about your own self-image about that, then you've got to be having this come in from other places that will lift Mm. you up Mm. so that that negative self-talk can be less and less. So Mm. it's not compounding for us. Mm. So that's why it is so important for us to keep on realising and keep on hearing um, that the love of God is unconditional Mm. and is always there for us Mm. and God 
loves you and wants you and 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 I, the the passage that always speaks to me is that you are wonderfully and beautifully made. Yeah. Because that is so true. Yeah. Each and every one is so wonderfully and beautifully made. Yeah. So well, we've really gone on a little round trip there, going completely <laughs> off topic and not, not looking at the passage at all. So it just took us right down a different road. And I love how that, you know, our, our brains go that way. But I, I, this is, you know, and as I said on Sunday, this passage about um, beware of the religious teachers of the law um, is actually a really big one for us because the moment you're getting up and standing up here and preaching, uh, we need to be aware of this. Um, we need to be aware. And, and so for, because we, and it says in Scripture, we'll be, if you're a teacher, you'll be judged more harshly because you know you're, you're teaching the Word of God. Be careful with what you say. Be always referring back to the Word of God appropriately um, because you've had that knowledge and that teaching and you shouldn't be taking people away from God and the love of God and from what is the truth in Scripture. So this is why we always come back each and every week, look at the Bible, what is it telling us? And so when we stand up here, that is a responsibility, that is a privilege uh, and it's so important for us to to really realise that. Um, absolutely, absolutely. So not not to put any scary because I, <laughs> I don't want to put the fear of God in you as if you're going to come up and preach because we actually love to encourage preachers. We love to encourage people to come and, and actually uh, let God speak into their lives and out into the rest of the, the, the world's life as well um, from, from their own experience and their understanding of the Scriptures. And so it's a really privilege to encourage young people and people of all ages to come and preach the good news of Jesus Christ. It's a good warning though. It's a good warning not to add to the Scripture. Yep. And we were looking at Eve uh, yep. yesterday. And how when she repeated back what God had said, she actually added something to it. You know, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and don't touch it. So she added to what her understanding yep. of what God was and, and it actually led her then into temptation. Yep. And so I think when we are in positions where we are talking about the word of God, whatever it is, even if it's just with our friends, we need to be aware that we need the Spirit mm. to guide us and the Spirit to correct us and the Spirit to teach us. That's right. And to go, to go with that, it's not only don't add but don't subtract. Yes, So absolutely. It's, it's actually both. Don't subtract. It's keep yeah, the Word yeah. of God yeah, as yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just because it's uncomfortable for us, yep. it's because we haven't quite resolved it, doesn't mean that there's not truth there that we actually need to hear. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and just to, just to touch briefly on to the, I don't know, we were almost half an hour and we have, um, just to touch briefly on to the widow's offering. Yeah. Um, interesting passage. Um, and, and as I said, you know, as I've been going through this, there have been so many more connections made just on how, as the widow gave everything, she was actually demonstrating what Jesus was just talking about just previously about um, loving the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and, and, and loving your neighbour as yourself. She, she, and she, out of everything she had, she gave everything. And Jesus sat there with his disciples and saying, look at this woman. Don't, don't. Yes, these people have given huge amounts of money. 
Yep, but they're giving it out of their surplus. They're giving out the excess. They might even be tithing. They, they might be doing the tithe. Fantastic, wonderful. But that still leaves a huge amount for you. Here is this woman coming and giving everything she has. Now, you know, so <laughs> and reading through a whole lot of commentaries and a whole lot of things about this, some people question why she was doing that. Um, in, in the, and some people speculated that she was close to death, so she was giving everything away. Whether that's true or not, it doesn't say, you know. So, you know, people, often when people read passages like that, we want to, especially things that cut across what we would think is normal and appropriate, we want to kind of justify it by adding the, as adding extra stuff in. Um, so some people have speculated that it, she was she was very close to, to death, so she was giving everything she had, even though it was only a little, and giving it all to God. Um, other people were suggesting that she really wanted to do that, and but she would she would get something from the gleanings and the the, the support that other people would give her in the meantime, so she wasn't going to be without. Um, but that's all trying to justify themselves in that space because I don't think we've ever got to a point where we've gone, well, I want to give everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know I haven't. Um, <laughs> um, and it, that's a challenge. It's a huge challenge and Jesus was sitting there watching and then when he saw the widow, he called the disciples over to teach them about it. And, and you know, what her motives were, I just think she must have been so thankful to God for everything and you've given me these tiny little thrippences or, you know, one-cent pieces. Here you go. I'll give them back to you. Um, trusting that God would provide for her. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's a challenge. And, and I think that, I think that, is probably one of the best interpretation is that she gave 100% but also one had 100% trust that God would provide for her. And I think that's probably one of the best ways you could actually view this kind of passage is that she had such such great trust in God that God would provide. But it wasn't, you know, and so often we want God will provide luxuries. Yes. We, we want God to provide a new house or a new car or a new whatever God will provide for our life and our life everlasting. So, so yeah. Amen. Amen. Kerry, would you like to pray for us and send us out to today? Mm. Father in heaven, oh, we just thank you for this passage. We thank you for all the beautiful messages that you've just woven into these few words that Jesus spoke. We thank you for the beauty of the Bible that it is a, at once just the simple story of how much you love us and yet, Lord, there is so much depth there that we can really um, really find these uh, amazing insights into your life and how much you love us and how much you've given to us and, and how much you want us to live for you. And so, Father, today we ask that you would help us to be like that widow, to be totally 100% trusting in you, and, Lord, that we would hear the, the words of the Spirit spoken to us to prompt us to do the things that you want us to do, Lord, whether it is to give more, to give up something, to check our motives, or simply to, to spend time with you, Lord. We ask that you would really speak to us in that way, Father. 
Amen. 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 And thank you very much, Kerry. And thanks for joining with us as we had a dive deep into the Bible again, uh, looking at Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, verses 35 to 44. And don't forget that if you have a question, uh, we're most happy to um, respond back to those questions, uh, whether it be on our social media platforms or directly through the website. So uh, you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, um, YouTube, Vimeo, TikTok, all those kind of places, and also at the website at mbu.org.au. And thanks for joining us once again.